Good morning. It's so good to see you. So glad that you're here. I love, um, I love a service like today when we get to see young men uh, stand up at a young age and lead us in prayer and lead us in worship. So let's give these two young men a hand for their help. Let me take a little survey while we start. I'm always sort of interested in this because I get a lot of feedback on this. How many of you are um, hot right now? Raise your hand. Okay, I'm not used to wearing a coat. I'm hot. How many of you are cool right now? Raise your hand. How many of you are just right? Man, all right. Go by the book. All right. Just right. That's incredible. I, I love the church, you know, that, that set the thermostat up at the front of the building. You know, for everybody just to come and adjust anytime they wanted to. The really cool thing was it was connected to nothing. <laughs> all right. So, so we all have our preferences. We do the best we can. Uh, today, I want to refer you to what James said. James said, faith without works is dead. That's a pretty strong passage. And if that is true, then the corollary would also be true that faith with works is alive. And that being true, I don't believe as a church we've been any more alive than we've been over the last month. And God's done some incredible things. I remind you of that scene at the Capitol where we gathered to pray together. Show that if you would. And we gathered to worship God. There's no more important work that we do than to, to meet in the center of our city and to ask our God to intercede and do something powerful. And then just a few weeks ago, so many of you offered yourself to be a part of the adoption ministry. It was just overwhelming to see those of you said, I would like to adopt or I want to support the people that are adopting. And then yesterday, you spread all across this city and do an incredible service in our community. And I, I thank God for that. Because when, when our faith is active, truly our faith is alive and it blesses us and it thrives. And today, every one of us has an opportunity to participate in this. You were all given as you came in that, that wonderful yearly Faith Works form. You can see it. And, and in this, you have an opportunity to get involved in the ministry of the church. This is, there's something on here for everybody. I was counting last night. There's over 30 ministries listed here. There's over 100 ways within those ministries that you can serve. And I'm going to tell you, your faith is going to thrive as you begin to serve. Now, I want to remind us of one passage this morning as we begin our study together that I think is really important for who we are and where we are as a church today. And it's Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Galatians 6, verse 10. And there it is. It's a very simple verse. Let me read it to you. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those belonging to the family of believers. Let's look at that line by line. Let's start with the first word, therefore. If you're studying your Bible, anytime you see the word therefore, here's what you need to do. You need to look at the preceding verses and ask, what are they there for? All right? There's a context to Galatians 6 verse 10. The context is that Paul is saying, God is not mocked. Whatever a man reaps, that, would he, that will he also sow. In other words, if, if you reap good things in your life, you'll receive good things back. If re, you receive bad things in your life, you reap, you plant those kind of things, you'll get it back. And that's not always immediate. And sometimes it's a little frustrating. 
So in the preceding verse, verse 9, Paul had said this, Let us not grow weary in doing good, for the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now I know as we, we talk about faith works today, there are so many workers in this assembly today. And I want you to know that Paul acknowledges that you might be weary. It shouldn't surprise us when we work, we become weary. I consider it an awesome weary to be weary in the work of the Lord. Like that family we looked at last week, Stephanus, that was um, addicted to the ministry of God. You are going to come weary. And Paul says, don't give up because there's a harvest. That brings us to the next line. As we have opportunity. Now, the, the words here don't mean when an opportunity comes up, like you got an opportunity you know, three days ago, and you might have one a week from now. The, the little wording here means while you have opportunity, while you're breathing, while you're living here on this earth, take advantage of every opportunity God gives you. Do it now. And, and then look at the next line. Let us do good. Listen to me, friends. Jesus likes doers. Jesus had almost no patience for talkers. There were a lot of religious talkers in his day. There were very few doers. And so when Jesus ran into a doer, he recognized it. When he saw a widow who gave simply her might, everything she had, he recognized it. When you or I give just a cup of of cold water, Jesus says, God will not forget that. Jesus tells the parable of talents where he says, the person that God is going to condemn is the person who may have talked a lot, but they buried the gifts God had given them and didn't use it. The person God blessed is the person who's willing to go out and do. In fact, I think Jesus would love the Nike commercial and slogan, just do it. Don't don't just talk about it. Get out there and do it. Now, when we come to a day like this, sometimes we look over this list and we feel a little intimidated. Because I say, you know, I I might would like to do this, but I know there are more qualified people. Or I don't think I'm prepared. Listen to me, my friends. God qualifies the called. It normally doesn't happen that you have all your gifts and preparation and equipping done, and then you walk into a ministry. That's really not the way it happens. It happens when you say, you know what, God, I hear you calling me to do this. I I don't feel qualified. Who feels qualified to be a part of the ministry of God? I don't. But God, I'm telling you what, I'm taking a step by faith. I'm going to stretch myself. I'm going to go teach that class. I'm going to go work in that village in the inner city. I'm going to go on that mission trip. And, and, And go, I may not feel like I'm the most qualified. I trust you to qualify me by your grace. So you do good. And then the next line is this, to all people. There are no limits to the people we do good for. It's universal. Now I hear people sometimes questioning a church like us that does a lot of mission work overseas. And people say things like, well, why do you do this in Malawi and in China when there are people here? It's because we are to do good to all men. The gospel is for all. But then look at the last line. There is a priority to it. Especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Especially to those. There is a priority in our service to taking care of the family of God. 
relate that to your physical family. Have you ever known someone who got so involved in maybe civic good work or even church good work, and they were so consumed by it that they neglected their family? How do you think God feels about that? You know, Paul says this, if a man does not provide for his family, he's worse than an infidel. What's he saying? You might go out and do all kinds of good things for everybody else, but if you don't take care of things at home, then you're not obeying God. We have a good phrase in America that says, charity begins at home. The things we do other places better be the things we first do here. Now let's be honest though, especially as we approach this. A lot of ministries on this card or outside of this building and are getting involved in our community like our prison ministry, like our inner city ministry, awesome. But many, many of these ministries are what I call family ministries. They're things we do here together, even in this building. Now here's the deal. Those don't always appear as glamorous or even as spiritual. It seems a lot more spiritual to go to Malawi to work in the orphanage than to walk 50 feet back here and serve in the nursery. And yet Paul would say, you got to do good, especially to those of the household of faith. It seems to be a lot more glamorous, even spiritually, when you're giving your money, to give your money to missions. And then when it comes to just the family of running a church, where your money's going to have to go and pay mortgage bills and, and, and power bills and salaries and all, you know, keeping the building up, that doesn't seem very glorious. And guys, that, that's become... A, um, a movement among us. I, I know there are people in this church who only give to missions. They don't give the regular contribution. I mean, that, that seems awesome, man, to give to missions. Let me just say this, and I'm not trying to bust any bubble here, but we, I've always promised myself I'd be honest. Guys, when we give $70,000 on Adoption Sunday, that is an incredible deal. We ought to celebrate that. But it's not an incredible deal when the Sunday before we gave $20,000 and the Sunday afterward we gave $25,000. So what many of us obviously did was cut our regular contribution to be able to give to adoption. You say, well, that sounds so much better. Well, I understand that. But listen to me. Those of you who only want to give to missions, if this church does not remain healthy and grow and vibrant, there in the long run will be no missions. If we don't take care of our own, we're not going to have an opportunity to take care of those who need to be taken care of. There's got to be a strong body that's able to support. So the best thing we can do, guys, is for us to grow a healthy, giving, generous church where, where we just so overflow with generosity that not only do we fulfill our first priority, which is to take care of one another, that's exactly what Paul said, but we're able to fulfill every other priority that comes along. But we're not going to do that by cutting one thing to do another. And so Paul says, we are to do good to all men, yes. But we are to do good to all men, especially those who belong to the household of faith. 
And so, guys, we got to recognize this morning, when it comes to your financial resources, when it comes to your time resources, that, that, that part of that needs to go to what this local church is doing. That part of it needs to go to teaching and to helping and to serving and to helping people in their marriages and to helping children and to helping people grow spiritually here so that we can be that solid foundation that can say, man, we got something so good here. We want to share it all over the world. And God has so blessed us here that there's abundance to give to anyone who might have need. And let me get real specific here. To paraphrase Jesus, what shall it profit a church if we bless the children of the whole world and lose our own children to Satan? That's what we can't do. Now please understand me clearly. I am not saying this is an either or thing. I don't hear that in Paul. It's a both and. But I do hear Paul saying, there is a priority for the family of God. Now let's get specific today. Let's get real specific. Let's put a focus today on our family. And that's on children. Because we, we know when it comes to what happens in this church, that a lot of what we do and a lot we pray about is our children and our grandchildren and the children of this church making it to heaven. That, that's an incredible prayer. And, and we know that part of us taking care of family is serving our children. I've given these statistics before, but they always sort of blow me away. To, to conduct our children ministry on the average week, Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, takes 110 people. Every week, there are at least 20 adults involved in our youth ministry. That's one of the great strengths of our youth ministry is there's so many adults involved in it. That's 130 people. My friends, that means that every week, pretty much one out of every 10 of us should be involved in some kind of ministry to children or youth to to do a a great job of teaching them. You know, I I love what Al Milligren says talking about missions. He says, you know, that's a mission field back there, isn't it? We we want to take care of those children. Now, that was Jesus' heart. Look at this passage from Mark. Uh, Starting in verse 13 here, Mark chapter 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And Jesus took the children in his arms. Literal translation there. I love this. Jesus folded the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Two quick questions. Why did the disciples rebuke Jesus for taking time with the children? you got to understand this. Culturally, children were not appreciated in ancient cultures. There's a man that wrote a book out of Norway, and here's the title of it. First of all, let me, let, let me, give, you, um, let me give you his name. His name was O.M. Blake, and the O.M. stood for, no wonder you use those, Odd Mange Blake, okay? So he must have been an odd guy, but he wrote a really good book. 
And here's the title of his book. When children became people, the birth of childhood in early Christianity. What he says is the idea of childhood and children having a special place in society was not known very well before Jesus. The ancient world, he writes, had no clear conception of childhood as we do, and therefore violence, infanticide, leaving a child to die of exposure, dispensing of a child because of their gender or because of a sickness, was very common. Sexual exploitation of children was in many cultures of Jesus' day not even looked down upon. It was just an accepted practice that you talked about. And in the ancient world that Jesus came into, 50% of the children died before age 10. So when the disciples say, don't let the children come, this is a waste of time, not only are they just showing they've got a bad attitude, they're showing that um, their culture had a pretty bad attitude about children. And so when the Son of God comes to this earth and he embraces children, things get different. So there's the second question. Why was Jesus indignant with the disciples? This is the only time that word is used in your Bible, indignant, that, that Greek word for indignant. And it's an interesting combination because it says that Jesus was mad and Jesus was sad. He's angry and he's brokenhearted because God loves children. I hope you've noticed in this Intercede series that God loves to defend the people who cannot defend themselves. That's the heart of God. And Jesus was both mad and sad when he saw his own people neglect the children. And I imagine when God looks down today in a culture that has accepted abortion as a form of birth control, where there's so much abuse of children and so many children being neglected, I imagine that God is still mad and sad, don't you? And then if he looks at his people and goes, oh my goodness, they're not even willing to put a special focus on children. They look at serving in the back with the children as being a hassle and let me do it as little as I have to. I hear people say, well, I'm not going to serve in the children's ministry. I don't have any children. Let me tell you this. Neither did Jesus. Okay? Or then I hear someone say, well, I've had my children. And, and, and I hate this term, but we use it. I have, somebody tell me, done my time. Run that by Jesus, okay? Just for a minute, run that by Jesus. Because Jesus loved children. I mean, let me say some other things Jesus said. If you don't become like a child, you cannot live in the kingdom. When you welcome a child, you welcome me. I love this quotation from George MacDonald. I do not have faith in any man's Christianity if children are not occasionally found, found playing at his doorsteps. I would not believe in a church that did not put priority and love on children. And so write this down. Our church family unabashedly, unapologetically puts a great emphasis on children. We do that when it comes to staffing. That costs money. We do that when it calls the space, it costs money. Security, background checks, 
A Bible curriculum, I know many of you are at this church, you've told me this, because you wanted your children to learn the Bible, and you've been in places where the Bible wasn't taught a lot. The Bible is taught every time in our children's classes. We have to create an environment, and we, we're going to put a priority there. Let me give you a statistic that might, might help us along here. This is from Barner Research, the premier Christian research people in America. 85% of Christians began their relationship with Jesus before the age of 14. So why would we not put an emphasis on that? I just imagine, my friends, a church that embraces children the way Jesus did. I mean, just, just fill in this sentence right here, just as we think about Jesus for a moment. What did Jesus do? Oh, my friend, Jesus welcomed, helped, blessed, prayed for, and was used as an example children. I know I'm backing up here. But can you imagine a church that says, you know what? We're going to do good to everybody we can, man. Bring it on. But let me tell you what we're going to do first of all. We're going to take care of those who belong to the family of believers. And the great mission field we have right here is to take care of our children. And so whether you're a parent, you ought to be expected to work in children's ministry. Or you're not a parent, my goodness, this is your great opportunity to serve and to give. Or you're a parent, this is what bothers me about some of our parents. Many of you have small children, and you're going to lead this assembly before they ever get a chance to go to Bible class. What does that say? Wouldn't it be awesome? Could you imagine with me a church that, like Jesus, embraces children, puts a priority on children, where someone comes here, and I already hear this, so we're on our way, and says, my goodness, you know, I've got to come to the church. Why are you coming here? Because the way you guys love children, the way you handle my children, the, the way you go, the way you have these background checks and security and all these things that, you know, take a lot of time and money. I love that because... Part of my priority as a parent is to raise my children. And, and I want to be in a church that puts the same kind of priority on raising the children of that church. Can you imagine what that will do? And that's why Paul says, don't grow weary. Don't grow tired. Because in due time, you will receive, you will reap a harvest. You'll reap a harvest. Because as you, as you fill this form out today, in just the next few moments, Mark will lead you through this. Understand the, the law of reaping, sowing and reaping. God guarantees if you sow, you plant good, you will get good back. It may be right now, it may be later. Some of it may be later. When I saw that picture up there this morning of Andrew Sloan, and his wife, Pamela. And I thought of the story that Mark told about Phyllis inviting her. He came into this youth ministry in junior, as a junior in high school and became a Christian. And now years later, here he is with his wife leading her to the Lord. My goodness, that's reaping. When I hear of a young man that grew up in this church named Ryan Lassiter, Grew up here as a kid, teen youth, I mean, children's ministry, teen ministry. Man, Al Milligan molded him into a great, great, a great, great servant leader. 
Brian went into business, lived in Greenville, South Carolina, did great. At the same time, he was extremely active in his church. Just they, they put him in charge of all kinds of things. And about a year ago, Ryan decided to go into full-time ministry, and now he's living in Midland, Texas, doing incredible things for a church. When I go visit campuses around the state, and I see girls like Julia Martin, who grew up from a young child in this church, who are in the middle of a, a pagan campus, and are making a difference. And I see the Sam Evans, and I see, uh, I see the West Guns who grew up in this church, and we see the fruit that God is bringing from their life. I'm telling you, that tells me I don't want to grow weary. And I could just go on and on and on. But right now, I want you to see a video of uh, our children's ministry and some of the people who've been blessed by deciding to serve in it. Watch this. At first, I was somewhat reluctant because I was new to Landmark. I really didn't know anyone. I didn't know the procedures. So I thought... I'll just sit down and wait for a couple of months before I actually participate. However, on the first Sunday I was here, I met Terry and she said we're having a class today, so you're welcome to come to the class. So that relieved my hesitation. I was like, okay, girl, God wants you to continue to use your talents, so use them. Um, I had a lot of hesitation before I decided to ask Terry about becoming a Sunday school teacher. Because of my lack of upbringing in a Sunday school, I was afraid that I wasn't knowledgeable enough to teach, and I was afraid that I wasn't going to benefit the students at all. When I was first asked to teach, I was really kind of—I was really kind of scared. Yeah, you're always scared. No, I'm not, Charlie. I was a little hesitant because I thought, "What can I? What can I bring? Or what can I teach these children?" because I really don't know a whole lot about the Bible. Yeah, it looks like I'm not the only dummy in here. Oh, Charlie. But it's been really easy. It really has. I have learned that the children are, are believers. They do not see color. They do not see anything. They are eager to learn. They are very cooperative and they want to do what pleases God. And it's so, so amazing that at such a young age, they want to do what's right. The children, I thought I was gonna teach them about the gospel and about the plan of salvation, but they ha they teach me. Yeah, like I said, looks like I'm not the only dummy in here. Oh, Charlie. I have learned from the children that um, a ton of things, that how smart they are about the Bible and how knowledgeable they are and they have taught me so many Bible stories that I didn't even know were out there and so many facts that um, that I didn't know and I've just learned that no matter what your age is you're gonna learn whether it be from a child or from an adult they're gonna bring a learning experience into your life when you teach you're always blessed when you climb inside God's Word you always learn more than anybody else in the room You'll, your learning will be deeper, and you know what? You'll build relationships with people that will extend outside the classroom. So today, we have the opportunity to obey that command. Let us do good to all men, especially to those of the household of faith. 
You're going to have a chance to fill out a commitment card about your giving in the coming year so that we know how to budget and do the things. It's a great chance for you to make that a priority that God would bless. You're going to have a chance in the next few moments to fill out this faith works form that will allow you to get involved in the ministry of this church and to make a difference. And here's the last thing I want to say before Mark leads you via video through what you need to do. Here's the ironic truth about this passage. Here's the ironic truth. When we take care of each other, we reach the outsider. Here's the deal, guys. When we create a church where people are loved like they're not loved in the world, where children are served like they're not served in the world, where the drug addict is embraced and helped to overcome that problem, where the average sinner trying to keep their marriage together finds help in putting their marriage together, where the parent finds help in being the parent they should be, where every disciple is taught the word of God and strengthened in their faith. When we are a church like that, not only will we be blessed, but here's the ironic thing, it will also reach the outsider. Jesus put it this way, John chapter 13, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. Jesus says the most attractive thing in reaching the outsider is that they see that we've got a love of a different kind that they don't have on their own and they want it with everything they've got. And so it becomes attractive to the person who doesn't know the Lord. Now, if we're just like everybody else, and we look at children, drug addicts and sinners and people with problems, just like people do in the world. If we walk around judging the way people do in the world, if we walk around, you know, just being lazy like people in the world, if our idea is let me get out of as much as I can like people in the world, well, they don't, they don't need us because they could do that where they, where they live without us. But if we're the people who go, you know what? I'm telling you what, I'm willing to be weary in the work of God. I'm willing to be tired that my children and my grandchildren and your children go to heaven. I'm willing to bust my tail for that small group that meets in my living room and that I got a chance to love. I'm telling you, it will attract. And not only that, if we become that kind of healthy family, we will have the resources to do anything in this world that God calls us to do. But it starts first by doing good in the family of believers. So March can lead you through this. At the end of this, I'll get back up and offer an invitation, and you'll have a chance to submit to the elders of this church your commitment for the next year. So let's watch this together. Perhaps the most revealing story in the Gospels about who Jesus was and who he expects us to be is when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. You remember, all the apostles come to the upper room for the important Last Supper, but they come with dusty feet. There is, in the room, a basin of water and a towel to wash their feet, but no apostle wants to serve that way. So it's Jesus who serves. John writes in his Gospel, The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God, so he got up from the evening meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. 
After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. What an awkward moment for the disciples. What an important lesson for them and us. A lesson Jesus thought all of us should learn and put into practice. Scripture says, When Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Serving is what we do. Faith works, because the Bible says faith without works is dead. This morning, as you fill out your faith works form, you will be putting your faith to work. And when you turn in your faith works form, you'll receive a pin shaped like a basin and a towel with the inscription, Save to Serve. It's true. We're saved to serve as our faith works. Please begin by filling in the information at the top of the faith worksheet you received as you entered this worship service. Fill in your name, numbers, and other information. We want each Landmark member to complete one of these forms. So if you're married, each husband, each wife has their own sheet. Every young person who has been baptized is encouraged to make their ministry commitments this morning. Please raise your hand if you do not have a faith worksheet or a pen, and we will pass one to you now. Please look right below the children's names and birthdays and see the boxes to check regarding your Sunday morning attendance. Please check one of the boxes to let us know whether you plan to attend the 9 o'clock or 10.30 worship service. You'll also notice in the Sunday Commitments section a box for small group participation. It's important to remember that small groups are a primary way we minister to and serve each other as we face life's challenges together. Please make this commitment now for 2014. Then men, if you will, please look just below the attendance information to see that we invite your participation in worship leadership. Please mark the boxes that indicate where you would be willing to serve. The remainder of the faith worksheet lists the ministries you can choose to be involved in. These ministries begin with adult education and conclude with youth ministry on the back side of your faith works form. We hope that each of you have already reviewed your faith works ministry descriptions. We trust that you've come today prepared to make your ministry commitments. You'll see that the ministries are listed alphabetically and that there are boxes to check regarding specific duties. Please write plainly and mark clearly the appropriate boxes so that your choices will be obvious as we enter your information. If you are helping in children's ministry, and we hope many of you will, please notice that you will need to check two different boxes to clearly identify where and when you prefer to serve. 
In a large church like Landmark, it can be easy to persuade ourselves that there are plenty of other people to help with these ministries and that you are not really needed. But the truth is, no one else can do the specific work that God has uniquely gifted you to do. You are a part of the body, and we will not be completely healthy and strong without you doing your part. So, let's put our faith to work this year. We are grateful and excited about your participation today. It is exciting to look ahead and envision all the ways the Lord will use us as His ambassadors. There is little in this world that is more fulfilling and rewarding than giving of ourselves to bring blessing to the life of another person. There's a precious child, a homeless family, and a first-time guest that needs your personal touch. Thank you for giving of yourself and serving and growing together. In just a few moments, you will be given the opportunity to hand in your faith worksheet to one of our elders. You will receive your service pin while confirming your ministry commitment. We would also like for each family to fill out the financial commitment card attached to your FaithWorks form and place it in the envelope and turn it in today along with your FaithWorks sheet. Thank you for your dedication to serve and give in 2014. Just keep on filling that out. Uh, let me go ahead and ask if our shepherds would get themselves in place down here front. We're blessed to have incredible shepherds in this church, and this is your way of uh, letting them know that you want to be a part of the work of this church. So when we begin to sing the invitation song in just a moment, you've got a couple of different things you could do to respond. You can come down and, and put in your commitment card and your um, faith works form uh, into the um, baskets that our shepherds are holding. Also, if today is a day that you want to commit your life to Jesus Christ and follow him, or maybe today you recognize that in your life, the family of believers has not been a priority. You do a lot of things in your life that you wouldn't miss. And you're committed to a lot of things. But to be honest, the commitment that's talked about in the passage we looked at today has not been true in your life. You might even do a lot of good works. But your priority has not been to take care of the family of believers. Let me show you our scripture one more time for today. In one more different translation, I love the way the voice translation puts Galatians 6 verse 10. So seize any opportunity the Lord gives you to do good things and be a blessing to everyone, especially those within our faithful family. So this morning, what we have an opportunity to do right now is to seize the opportunity to do good. And so as we sing and you finish filling your form out, just please come and bring that to one of the shepherds. If today you want to recommit yourself to ministry and the family of God, then why don't you meet me down here on the front row? Let's all stand together and sing.